May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this scripture. Amen. You may be seated. I should have said in the announcements that the part of Stephanie Savisco is being played today by Crystal Vaughn, and we're so grateful for you, to, for you being here. Thank you so much, Crystal. So today we're going to continue our look at what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be on the disciples' path. We talked two weeks ago about how knowing who Jesus is, even declaring who Jesus is, does not make someone a disciple. A disciple is someone who follows. We want to follow Jesus so closely that the dust of his sandals settles on us. And last week, we talked about how prayer and scripture are essential to the disciples' path, to this journey. They fuel us. They keep us on track. And all of this disciples' path talk is going to culminate in a few weeks when we will welcome new members and we are going to celebrate a Harvest Sunday where you're going to be invited to bring non-perishable gift, uh, non-perishable food items. We're going to harvest from our pantries, right? You're going to bring it up, and we're going to redistribute that here in the church and through the community. And we are going to harvest our commitments for 2024. We're going to make commitments in five areas, the five areas of the United Methodist Vows, which are prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness which is why you're getting one sermon on each of those five things. Do you see how it all just comes together? So last week we talked about uh, prayers, and this week we're going to talk about presence. Presence with a C-E, not presence with a T-S. Next week we'll talk about gifts. Today we're going to talk about being here, about being present. This is not complicated. A disciple shows up. Now, obviously, I have a lot more to say than just four words about it, but it is really that straightforward. A disciple shows up. That's what it means to be present. And we show up not only bodily, but we show up mentally, emotionally. There's this uh, funny story about a pastor who noticed that there was one person who tended to nod off during the sermon. It happens. I know, believe me, I know it happens. And uh, one Sunday, the pastor decided that she'd had enough, and so she was gonna, she was gonna get him. So when he nodded off, she whispered, "Everyone who wants to go to heaven, raise your hand." And everybody raises their hands, right, except for the man who had fallen asleep. So then she yells into the microphone, "And everybody who wants to go to hell, stand up!" And he stood up, and he looked at the pastor, and he said, "Preacher." I don't know what we're voting on, but it looks like it's just you and me. (laughs) Being present doesn't mean only that we are physically present. It means that we show up with our whole selves. We need everyone to show up with their whole self as often as possible because we are the body or the community of Christ. If you phone it in, you only bring part of yourself then the community is missing something. If you bring less than your whole self to this, then the community is less than what it could be. In today's gospel reading, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. He says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. You don't love God with part of your heart or part of your soul or part of your mind. God doesn't say it's okay to love your neighbor 50% or even 99%. 
a disciple shows up fully. Soren Kierkegaard, the philosopher, said there are really two ways to think about worship. Two ways to think about God's role in worship. And I want you to think about these two possibilities and which one resonates with you this morning. We can look at God as the director of our worship. God is uh, God has ordained this time for us to be together, right? God is speaking to us through the prayers and through the hymns and, and building us up. In that scenario, we are the audience for worship. Worship is something God is doing for us. Or we can look at God as being the audience rather than the director. Is what we do when we come here for God's benefit? Do we come here so that we can show our adoration and our admiration and our appreciation? You know, we come from all, all, or, all the ordinary places and patterns of our lives. And when we come together, we create this special moment, this extraordinary place when our attention is drawn out of the narrow confines of our lives or our routines or ourselves. And it's broadened in the presence of God. We come to worship to wake up to what God is doing. We live in a world where we're told all the time in a million different ways, it's all about you, it's all about me. But when we show up for worship or Bible study or small group or the fall festival, or whatever church event we have going on, we're reminded it's hardly about me at all. Social media and TV and all that, they'd have us believe that the individual, our individuality, is all that matters. But church reminds us that as an individual, we are part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not about me, it's about us. And honestly, that can be hard for some people. That can be part of what makes church uncomfortable or can make it seem unfulfilling. Some people are very uncomfortable being in a space or in a situation that is not all about them. A few of us joined with some folks from Lake Jackson UMC and Chairs UMC on Thursday night, and we went to see this gentleman perform. His name is Zach Williams, and he's a Christian musician. Braden was also there, but he managed to dug out before we got the selfie, so... Maybe we'll try to Photoshop him in for posterity. One of the things that Zach Williams shared with us is that before he was a Christian musician, he had a rock band. They did Southern Rock. And he said that he felt great when he was on stage and people were were hollering at him and singing with him and just giving him all sorts of praise and adoration. He felt great until he stepped off the stage and left the audience behind. So then he felt really empty. And he tried to fill that emptiness with alcohol and with drugs and with success and with busyness. His dad, who is a, a devout Christian, he would tell him all the time, he would say, Zach, I, I, don't, I don't know what to offer you. And I, I don't know what can fix your problems except Jesus. He heard that over and over again. And eventually Zach took that advice and he changed things up. I would say the Holy Spirit got to him. He happened to be on tour. He closed down the tour, came home, and he shifted how he did everything. And he made Jesus the focus of his life, and everything changed. Do you see that when he, when he made it about himself, he was empty. When he made Jesus the focus of what he did, 
when, when he made his work and his, and his life less about himself, he was more fulfilled. He even has a song that talks about that. Now, the world wants us to think that the way to, uh, the way to fulfillment uh, is to make our lives about us. But being part of the church, part of the body of Christ, reminds us that the best parts of life are not about me. The best parts of life are about us. The world also tells us that spirituality can be individual, that this is a personal pursuit, and what really matters is your personal relationship with God. In in some places, that's all that matters. But the Bible tells us that we are made for community. We aren't made for ourselves. We're made for each other. Spirituality is an experience to be shared. We come to worship and we're drawn beyond ourselves. We turn our attention away from ourselves and toward God. I love the beach. The beach is a spiritually significant place for me. I have experienced the presence of God watching a sunrise over the Gulf of Mexico or a sunset for that matter, right? I love any kind of big water. It, it amazes me. When I stand at the shore, I, I can hear the Holy Spirit, you know. Beth, there is a big God, and it is not you. And that is such a relief to be reminded that I don't have to try to control everything because I'm not actually in control of anything. That is a relief. Those moments I have at the beach on the shore, that is an individual spiritual experience. I have lots of them. I hope you have too. But being present in church is different. I can't experience the fullness of Christ by myself. and Neither can you. We experience the fullness of Christ when we are with our siblings in Christ. People who, by the way, we don't get to choose, which is another thing that makes some folks uncomfortable in church. We're a bit of a ragtag group, right? E. Stanley Jones, who was a Methodist missionary in India in the first half of the 20th century, his name might sound familiar to you. Maybe you've even read some of his books. He explained it this way He said, Everyone who belongs to Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Christ. (laughs) Everyone who belongs to Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Christ. We belong to each other. Friends, we are in this together. Church is a communal experience, an experience of community. We can be religious. We can be spiritual on our own. We can. But we cannot be growing disciples of Jesus Christ without the encouragement and guidance and wisdom and accountability of other disciples. We don't have time this morning to go through all the scripture on this, but trust me that it's all over the Bible. In the Old Testament, God almost always speaks and acts toward the community of Israel rather than to an individual. God will activate individuals like prophets always for the benefit of the community. In the New Testament, we read about it in the Gospels. We read it in 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul writes, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The writer of Hebrews says we need to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. Our presence with one another is an encouragement. It is a source of hope. In our first reading today that Kim read for us, Paul talks about 
the significance of having visited with the Christian community in Thessalonica. He says, we came to share with you not only the gospel, but also our very selves, because you have become very dear to us. We came to share ourselves with you, Paul says. That gave Paul hope, and it gave the Thessalonians hope, too. We do this faith thing together. You know, in many churches today, a regular attender, this is some like pastor inside talk for you, a regular attender these days is someone who comes once every four to six weeks. That's what's considered a regular attender. If you see statistics about regular attenders in church, that's what they're talking about. You know, that's not true here at Gray Memorial, is not. Whether we're talking about, uh, our re- when we talk about our regular attenders, we're talking about folks who are here or who are joining us online week after week after week. In a few weeks, when we have our harvest table service, I'm going to ask you to do something different, something I'm not sure you've ever done before. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment about how many Sundays you're going to be in worship next year. That may sound strange, but hear me out. There's a a well-known pastor in Montgomery. His name is John Ed Matheson. And he tells a story about how one Sunday morning the weather turned bad, so bad that he wasn't sure anybody was going to come to church. He was in the sanctuary just waiting to see if anybody was going to show up. And of course, one of his oldest, dearest members made it in. She walked into the building and he went to her and he said, oh, I'm surprised. I'm delighted that you made it to worship today despite the weather. So glad you decided to come. She taught him a lesson. She said, if I had waited until this morning when I woke up to decide that I was going to come, I wouldn't be here. I'm here because I promised the Lord last year that I would be in church 48 Sundays this year. And this isn't one of the four I can miss. She made her commitment and she stuck to it. A disciple shows up and that's what she did. Why make a commitment like that? Why bother to show up? There are times you come to worship to affirm the faith that you hold, but there are other times that you come to worship so that the faith of the community can hold you. There are going to be times in the weeks and months and years to come when you are going to need a community to hold you in faith. We're here for you. We're here for you. The truth is, you know, we find our humanity in connection with others. And again, this, is, this is, can be so hard. Some people have a hard time admitting that they need others. But the truth is, we all need each other. There's this African concept called Ubuntu. Back in 2019, Stephen and I got to spend a couple of weeks in South Africa. And a young man whose name, no kidding, his name was Prophet. (laughs) And uh, he was our guide. And so I have a video of him explaining the concept of Ubuntu. Uh, I'm going to have to wait. He says we're going to have to wait because there's a car going by. Okay, so explain it to me. You're recording? Yeah. All right, so Ubuntu means uh, you are because I am or I am because you are. So meaning, you know, you exist not because of yourself, but you exist uh, to add value in the lives of others. Thank you. You exist not for yourself. You exist to add value to the life of others. You are because I am, 
I am because you are. A disciple is formed by other disciples. Our presence in church with other disciples matters. That's why a disciple shows up. A young woman named Riley Clemens opened for Zach Williams on Thursday night, and she's been making music for a long time, but she was new to me. She wrote and recently released a song called Church Pew. And as soon as she told us about it, I thought, oh, we're talking about that on Sunday. (laughs) This is exactly what we need to talk about. Listen to the lyrics. I sat down in an old church pew, same way that I always do, every Sunday morning since I was a kid. And for some reason, I couldn't help thinking about the tales that bench could tell of people who sat here just like this. People full of faith, people full of doubt, people all just trying their best to figure it all out. Church pews, they've got stories. They've got so much that they've seen. The best of saints, the worst of sinners, and every bit of in-between. We all come for different reasons, but Lord knows we all need Jesus. And he's always saving room for me and you right here in this church pew. It doesn't matter why we're walking through that door. Those echoes of amazing grace keep on ringing through this place and leave us different than we were before. Church pews, they've got stories. They got so much that they've seen. The best of saints, the worst of sinners, and every bit of in-between. We all come for different reasons, but Lord knows we all need Jesus, and he's always saving room for me and you right here in this church pew. The stories the pews could tell, the stories of faith, the stories of of disciples being formed and renewed and restored. Riley Clemens gets it. A disciple shows up because they know they need God. A disciple shows up because they know they are part of a community. They are part of something bigger than themselves. A disciple shows up to hear those echoes of amazing grace, you know, echoing through this place, echoing through these people. And a disciple shows up because they know they will be different than they were before. We come here to get filled with the love of God and love of each other. We come here to hear the word of God proclaimed. We come here to pray. In other words, we come here to get a little bit of what the world needs. And then what? And then we leave. (laughs) And then we leave. Our worship service is organized in a very specific way. Open your bulletin with me. I'm going to pull mine out from under my stack. If you look at... If you look at your bulletin, if you look from the prelude to the, to the first anthem, we call that the gathering. That's the gathering of the disciples. That's when we are coming in and we are getting ourselves centered for worship. And then from the prayer for illumination all the way through the sermon, this is called the proclamation of the word. This is where we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This is where we spend time in scripture. This is where we hopefully hear a word preached. (laughs) 
you know, that invites us to think about the words of God. And from the hymn of the day down to the prayer of the day is the response to the word. This is your response to what you've heard read from scripture. This is your response to what you have heard preached. But then how do we end? From the closing hymn through the benediction and the postlude, this is the sending forth. The sending forth. It is all done to send you out on the right note. You come in and you get filled with the love of God and then you get sent out. Sent out in the confidence of the risen Christ. We have gathered from scattered places to worship, to be filled, to praise God. And then we scatter again as witnesses and servants, having heard the story of God's love in Christ, having been awakened to what God is doing in the world, in us and through us, we are sent out to make that love real to others. A disciple shows up so they can be sent out. We show up so we can be formed into the likeness of Christ. We show up so we can get a little more of the dust of Jesus' sandals on us. We show up to experience transformation, and then we go out carrying God's presence with us that we might transform the world. The church pews, they stay right here. But you, you go out and you carry the love of Christ with you. Amen. Mm -hmm.